Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back with you. I enjoyed uh, a week at Camp Kedron, being the speaker there, and so we had about 100 kids and uh, got to share the gospel with them every day and discuss the scriptures, and it was uh, a blessing for everyone. And God gave us some clear days as well, so there was a little water skiing that some enjoyed and tubing and stuff, so I did not get in on that, but yeah, it's kind of, I feel I'm a little late in the game to take up something like that. Um, yeah, it was fun watching everyone have fun. And uh, one announcement, we uh, will be, Bob will be starting up that uh, biblical theology course starting Tuesday. So if you are interested to attend, please let him know so he can make the necessary preparations to get the papers copied and everything ready. Should be a great time. Uh, we'll be in Genesis chapter 24 if you'll turn there and let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are so awesome in all your ways. The way you speak to us, how you forgive, how you reconcile us to yourself, how you provide for everything that pertains to life and godliness, how all, all we need is found in you. And what satisfaction and joy there is in knowing you, O oh Lord. And thank you for drawing us near to you by your grace. Thank you for the gospel and the power to transform us and to change us and to keep changing us more into your image. And I pray we would just submit ourselves to that work as we sit and hear your word today, that you would uh, just help us to take note of it, that it would minister your truth to our hearts, that it would be fruitful in our lives, and you'd be glorified through this ministry here because it's yours, it is your work, and thank you that you are faithful to finish the work that you've begun, and may we be your workers in your vineyard, Lord, just toiling with joy, looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We love you, Lord, and thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. I like, I like the parable, I like all the parables, but one that stands out is the neighbor going next door at midnight to ask for some bread. And uh, he's like, I've got visitors. I need three loaves, please. And at first, the man protests. He's like, we're all in bed. We're all trying to sleep. And you're disturbing us. It's late. You're disrupting us. But he keeps on knocking. And Jesus said that um, the man would rise and give him anything he wants just to get rid of him. Like, not because he's his friend or he really cares about those hungry visitors who he doesn't even know who they are. But he's just like... Like, just to get rid of somebody, we'll answer the, the door and, and send them away with what they want. But he's like, you know, you being evil, give good gifts to your children. How much will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Like, God gives out of the best motives. He desires us to, uh, to receive of his goodness and to walk in light of it. And we have to have something before we can give it. It's like he could ask for bread and it's a real easy answer. If he's like, hey, could I have some bread? I don't have any bread. Oh, okay. Like he, he could only give it because he had it. And God's not limited to the blessing we ask for. We can ask him for a blessing but his blessing goes beyond what we could have imagined or thought. We have complete satisfaction in him. And when we talk about blessings, we, we are often looking, perhaps looking for something that we'd say that would be a blessing if that happened. That's something I would like. And uh, we can take so many blessings for granted. 
we don't even realize the blessing that it is until like, like a fully functional hip or a knee. You don't realize how, what a blessing that is until you don't have it anymore. In the state since 9-11, they often play the song God Bless America at every baseball game, professional games. And, and he has, not because of the song, God, because God is blessed, like in himself, he is blessed. And so everyone ought to bless him. Like we should bless the Lord rather than just seeking blessing from him, knowing we are blessed by him. So to bless the Lord, it's to praise, glorify, extol him for his goodness, that he is the source of all blessing. It's, that's favor, the bestowal of benefits to make successful or prosperous. And in our passage today, we'll see that Abraham, he was blessed by God in all things. And that means that God is over all things. The only way you can be blessed in all things is because God has power over everything. And what, what a joy we have in knowing God who is blessed in himself. He is a blessing, thus able to bless. Matthew Henry said, God's promises and our own experiences are sufficient to encourage our dependence upon God and our expectations from him in all the affairs of this life. Encouraging our dependence upon God. So may we grow in that, depending on him, knowing that we need him. Now without him, we can do nothing. We pick up our passage in Genesis 24, 1 through 4. It says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please, put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son, Isaac. The last time we met with me speaking, Abraham had buried his wife, Sarah, who had passed. And Abraham wasn't growing any younger, neither was Isaac, his son. And based upon Genesis 25, 20, we can say with confidence that Isaac was 39 or 40 at this time. We read that God had blessed Abraham in all things. He had wealth. He had favor with the people. He had the provision of all necessities. Um, the son of promise, Isaac, faithful servants. And he tasked the oldest service in his servant in his house with this task to go to his father's house to find a bride for his son, Isaac. And the servant is unnamed. Many believe it to be Eliezer because he's called the steward of the house in Genesis 15 too. Over 50 years had gone by since Genesis 15. So I don't assume it's the same one. It could be. doesn't really matter. But what we do know, he was the right servant for the task. He was a faithful man who sought to honor God, to entrusted God to do what his master had said. So he says, put your hand under my thigh. I'm going to make you swear. Now, that, that's a very strange custom to me. Uh, there's a variety of interpretations to why this was done, but we'll just take it at face value. I, I don't believe you could accidentally place your hand under someone's thigh. It would be done intentionally. Like, has that ever happened? Where you're like, whoosh. Oh, I didn't realize that was the person who it happened to is like, oh, this is normal. Like, it would not be normal to me. It's kind of like someone swearing on the Bible. It's something that you do intentionally to say, I am taking this serious. I'm going to bind myself to keep my word to you. 
to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, to do as you say. And Abraham directed his servant to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven. He says, you will not take a wife from the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but from my country and family. And that's likely for many reasons, because it was customary that you would marry within the family, even, with, even to this day, within your tribe or family to preserve your cultural values, your family wealth, your possessions, your land. You, someone from the same family, you have a vested interest in mutual success. So these are people you would trust. They're people that you would share everything with. And in Abraham's case, it was not family first, but truly God first, because the people in the land of Canaan did not worship the God that Abraham did. And so it was important that he have, um, and because they were in the land of promise, he did not want his son being ensnared by the idolatry in his homeland. And so it was important to go bring a wife from there. Now, this is the first time we see an oath or swearing mentioned in scripture, and that's the voluntary binding of yourself to keep your word. The law of Moses it commanded people to keep their oaths later on because all of our words are spoken before the Lord. But what developed over time is you were only, you only felt obligated to tell the truth if you swore. So if you made an oath, you would keep your word. But every other time you may, you don't, you're not really obligated to keep your word. So you could justify fudging on your word because you hadn't made an oath. Jesus gave a new command about oaths in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Instead of swearing to tell the truth, we should speak the truth without deceit. That should be like all of our words spoken before the Lord as if we are, uh, it is a sworn statement because we know God knows all things. He knows what's true. He can see our hearts. And so we ought to speak the truth. And as Christians, our words are not just what we intend to do, but what we say is what we do. And what we do is also uh, it, it matches with our mouths, right? And this is so unnatural for us in the flesh because our flesh is typically deceitful and proud and justifies doing what it feels like at the time, regardless of what we said before. Even if we made a commitment, it doesn't mean we'll follow through. But by God's grace, we can have transparency and a correlation between the things we say and do because uh, we do it before the Lord. Genesis 24 verse five. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master and swore to him concerning this matter. 
The servant was willing. He was happy to do what his master had told him. But what if the woman was not wanting to follow him? What should he do then? Should he bring Isaac to her? And Abraham sternly said, no, you shall not do that. Uh, By faith in the Lord God of heaven, who led Abraham from his house, And who said of Isaac, your seed will be called. He believed that God would provide a wife for his son. And he trusted God to prepare the way for his servant. That he would find a suitable wife. But if the woman was unwilling to go, then he was released. He was not obligated to force her to do anything. And Abraham did not say that this was the only way that it could happen. And I like that, that he is not forcing the situation. He's saying, This is what I believe is right to do, to take a wife of my father's house. But um, you're under no obligation to make it happen. It's God's work, God's promise. He is going to provide a wife for my son. In this case, it doesn't seem like this was like out of a directive from God. It wasn't like God. We don't read of God appearing and telling Abraham to command his servant to do this. It was by faith in God. Because of what God has said, this was a natural uh, way to, to invite that to occur. It's like Isaac is going to be the father of many nations. That means he needs a wife and he is of marrying age and it's time. So Abraham was like, it's time to go get him a wife. Faith in God, it doesn't mean we know how God is going to answer or when he is going to take action or how he will accomplish these things that, we, that he's even promised us. We don't know how or when he's going to do that. It's not foolishness. It's not a leap in the dark. It's, not, um, it's actually placing our faith in the God that we know. So faith isn't just an airy-fairy, oh, I hope so. It's in knowledge of what God has said and what he has promised and taking actions in agreement with that. So he's like mighty nation. It's just like when he said, you're going to have a son. Uh, Abraham and Sarah came together with marital relations and the son was born. Right? So in this case, they could wait and wait, but it was for them to go, the servant to go, believing that God was going to do a work. And sometimes we can refuse to take that step of faith because we don't see how God's going to work something out. We don't know how this is going to prosper, if it's going to matter, if it's going to make a difference. And so we can just kind of sit on our hands and just say, well, it's God's work and he'll do it. It's his problem. And not take action and obedience to his leading because we don't want to be wrong. We don't want to be the one who, who steps out in faith and makes a mistake. But you know, You cannot take a wrong step when it's by faith in God as revealed in scripture. You cannot go wrong in trusting him in obedience to him. Impossible because he is faithful and he will keep his promise. It's not risky to take a step of faith. It's like you're not worried that the ground's going to swallow you up because you know it's concrete. It's solid. You can see it. But faith in God is... It is more durable. It is more solid footing than this earth that we're standing on because he created this earth is going to pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Genesis 24, 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening. Time, the time when women go out to draw water. 
Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. And I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Goes on this long journey, 10 camels and uh, of servants as well, many goods. Uh, the enduring word commentary says the straight line distance from Canaan to Ur of the Chaldeans was some 800 kilometers. The most common route was about 1,450 kilometers. It's a long trip. A long journey. And I think, I would just try to think, how is travel different today than it was for Abraham and his servants? Plodding along with those camels without any illuminated signs, no GPS. Uh, it's like when we take a trip, we, we print our boarding passes. We go to the airport. We just go through a few security checkpoints and follow the signs, sit down on a plane, eat a meal, and you're in another country. You read a book, you watch a movie, you're in Singapore. It's just like, wow, that, that is amazing. You're just, you're, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to camp. You know, the distance between Brisbane to Sydney, it's 900 Ks. Can you imagine taking 10 camels to Brisbane and then coming back? That's a long trip. A lot transpired in this one little verse. It says, and he's there. Don't you see the sovereignty of God in just making it an uneventful journey that took a long time? And he actually found the place. He finds the very well. And he's there and he begins to pray. It's customary. It was a customary time when women come to draw water. And water, it's needed for livestock. It was a place for socialization. It was a place where everyone needed to go. And so you'd hang out there and you'd talk. And it was the place where you'd find the goss and what was happening socializing. And when you think of the scripture, you have Moses, Jacob, Saul, and Jesus all had meaningful interactions with women at a well. They all had discussions that directed them on their journey. And as he's there and his camels have knelt beside the well, it says he stood and he prayed to God. And he said, God, you brought me this far. Please give me success on my journey to show kindness to my master, Abraham. And I was so struck by his motives in prayer. My motive might be, help me to get this done quickly so I can go home, right? Help me to be successful so I can have done a good job on this journey. So it's not for nothing. That's not what he prayed. He's praying for success for his master. He's like, help me be successful so my master will be blessed. God's kindness toward his master, that kindness is loyal love, goodness, favor, that that would be given to Abraham. Not like just give him a wife, give Isaac a wife. No, it was about God's kindness, which overarched everything. He didn't ask for God to be kind to him. He asked for God to be kind to others. Do you pray that God would show kindness to your boss by helping you be successful in your job so that he or she would be blessed? 
so that they would benefit by the kindness of God towards them, that that could flow through your efforts in obedience? Pretty awesome, huh? So the servant of Abraham, he knew, he knew, knew that women would come out to draw water at this hour. He says, Lord, help me to know by this simple sign. The one who, who, who I ask for a drink, and she says, oh, I'll give your camels a drink as well. That would be the one that God had appointed for his master. I love that, appointed. And this was a very unlikely thing that someone would offer because camels, they have an ability to drink. And there were 10 of them. I read when camels are thirsty, they drink about 113 liters of water. So that means... 1,130 liters of water needed to be hauled up from the well and carried and emptied into a trough. And I started thinking about it. Well, one liter weighs a kilo. So that's over a ton of water that you're hoisting from this well and carrying. If your vessel was 20 liters large, which is still pretty heavy, that's 50 trips. Lowering it down, pulling it up. Lowering it down, pulling it up, running over, putting it in the trough, back and forth, back and forth for probably an hour. It's a big job. Like a lot of us don't factor in, like you're just planning to go get a drink. You're going to get a drink and suddenly now you're, you have 10 camels. Unexpected. And most people weren't going to do that for some foreigner with 10 camels. They might do it if someone asked them because they're polite, but not volunteer it. So he's like, that's how I'll know that this is God's appointed and it just shows God's sovereignty over all things, that his travels, his task, the provision of a wife, and also his discernment. He trusted that God was going to help him to know who was the right one. And he was content with God's choice, whomever that would be. He didn't have any idea of what she should look like or how she should be dressed. He's like, whoever, she, whoever comes and does this, I'll know that that's the one that God has. Being content with God's choice. For those of you who are married, uh, you already know the spouse that God has appointed for you because you have married them. And for you that are not married and desire marriage, I, I counsel you to seek the Lord rather than seeking the spouse that he has appointed for you. At the same time, it is fitting to go to the well, so to speak. Go where people can be met. Go where you can talk to people. So that his appointed can be made known to you. This step of obedient faith in God, it preceded the revelation. Sometimes we want the revelation before we'll take a step. But it requires faith and obedience and God will show you what's next. We can trust him. He will not lead us astray. Genesis 24, 15. And it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels 
And the man, wondering at her, remained silent as to know whether the Lord has made his journey prosperous or not. Pretty cool, huh? Before he finishes speaking, he's praying to God, help me to know who the right woman is. She, he sees her. She's very beautiful, carrying a pitcher, a virgin daughter of a family member, son of Nahor, brother of Abraham. I mean, it's amazing that they arrived at the destination. And then he's there at the right time. And then the right girl comes out right away, like while he's speaking. She comes out to fill her pitcher. And I imagine she was not going to the well to, because she was looking for a husband. She was just looking to fill her pitcher. She had no idea of what was going on, what this man was looking for, his task or who had sent him. The servant was looking to God for a wife, for Isaac. She looked to fill her pitcher from the well and God used it to orchestrate the fulfillment of his promise in a remarkable way. So the servant says, he runs to her. He says, can I have a little water? And she's like, oh, sure. Oh, and let me give you some for your camels too. He's like, huh? <laughs> okay, wow. Is this an answer to my prayer already? And she says, I will give them water until they're done drinking. And everything that you read about her, Rebecca, is like with haste. It says she's quickly letting it down. She's running to the trough. She is just very responsive, running back and forth. And he's blown away. It's like so natural, so immediate, so what he just had been praying. He's like, are all the pretty girls in this city this polite and hardworking and energetic? Is this, could this be possible that this is an answer to my prayer? He wondered at her. He gazed in wide-eyed amazement. We sing God of wonders beyond our galaxy, but God's wonders can be displayed by a woman at the well. Just filling up a pitcher with water and saying, oh, I'll give you some water for your camels too. Huh? God's wonder, his answer to prayer. We don't always recognize God's answer to prayer. It's not always this obvious when God says yes, when he says no, when he says wait. We don't always recognize that God has answered the prayer. God said in Isaiah 65, 24, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. It may seem very basic, but for God to answer a prayer, we must pray. Sometimes we are looking for answers of questions we have never asked of God. We've thought of them. It's come into our minds. But we haven't prayed about it. We are always, it's, it's never God's inability to hear. That's the problem. It is the lack of our praying and praying for specific things. If we pray vague prayers, we should not be surprised when there's no clear answer. Ask a clear prayer in faith and know that God will answer that prayer. He will make his way, he'll make the way clear. And we're always on safe ground to pray according to God's word. And God re responds to that prayer of faith that knows God hears and answers. If you go through the motions of prayer just for the chance of getting what you want, you should not be just surprised when your prayer is not answered. But if you are praying for God's will to be done, that is a prayer that he delights to answer. 
Genesis 24:22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring wearing, weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. After the camels finished drinking, it's evident that Abraham's servant had processed it over that hour and said, well, this is, the, this is exactly what I asked for. This is the woman. And so he gave her some jewelry, a nose ring and bracelets. And he says, hey, whose daughter are you? So we can, and could you perhaps give us lodging? And she was very polite. She answered she was the daughter of Bethuel. She had room and provisions to accommodate all of them his servant, his retinue, his camels. And then he hears that Rebecca is actually a relative of Abraham. And he's like, bless the Lord. Amazing. He's led me right, not just to the city, not just to the well, but, and not just to the house, but the girl came to me. She came and we have met and like God's done this. So he's praising God. It's not like, I knew it. No, not at all. God knew. He blessed the Lord who led them every step. And he, he did this publicly. He worshiped God. He gave him glory. The God who answered his prayer even before he finished speaking. He blesses the Lord as the source of all blessing, of mercy and truth. The God who prepares, guides, and provides. And we see God's kindness throughout scripture where God warned Noah and his house of the flood that was coming. He helped Abram defeat the kings of the north. He took Lot by the hand and led him out of Sodom before it was destroyed. The Lord who caused Abraham and Sarah to have a child in their old age. Think, hasn't he done the same for us? Hasn't he saved us? He's delivered us. He's warned us. He's corrected us. He's helped us. He's blessed us in countless ways. And if you cannot think of a time that God has answered your prayer, clearly you have not been praying because God answers prayer. God did not forsake his mercy and truth towards Abraham or his servant. And he will never forsake his mercy and truth towards us because he is most blessed. And I just, I think of myself that the fact I'm preaching here today is a testimony of God's mercy and truth to me. That he's led me and my family across the world. And he's connected us with a, a body of believers here in Sydney. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think there's Aussies born and raised in Sydney who are looking for a church. Haven't really found one yet. And yet God brought me across the world to have fellowship with you and among you. Like he brought me to the same house. My, our father's house that we share as part of the body of Christ. Right here for his good purposes. And he's done the same for you. 
Hebrews 13, five and six. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Sometimes we pray for help as if God cannot help. But the Bible says the Lord is my helper is not will be. He is. He is our helper. He helps us every day more than you can under more than we can realize. He is helping us. He is sustaining us. He is guiding and protecting us. And it doesn't matter if you're married or unmarried that you're during a travel or, or having arrived at your destination. You can boldly in faith testify of God's help his perfect love that dries out fear, his provision, and we can be content in him. Glory to God. Genesis 24, 29. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when, she, when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man. And there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on. Upon hearing the man bless the Lord, Rebecca, she runs to her mother's house to tell her family the whole story. Now, we'll read of her father later in the chapter. Now, the fact that her mother had her own house, it suggests they possessed a great estate and wealth. It's like his house, her house. <laughs> it's like my bed, her bed. It's no, no, the whole house. That's her house. So very wealthy and uh, explained that the stranger with 10 camels was representing Abraham, a family relative, brother of Nahor, uncle of Bethuel, her father. And we're introduced to Laban, Rebekah's brother. Now, it says when he saw those, that gold, he's like, huh, what is this? Gold nose ring, golden bracelets. He runs out to meet this man by the well and he greets him warmly blessed of the Lord. Why are you outside? Come in. And he, he's running around getting his feet washed and feeding the camels and invites him as a most welcome guest. And what we'll see later is that Laban, though he says blessed of the Lord, come in. He's a bit of a chameleon. He, he really didn't fear God. He, he worshiped the idols of the land. He sought blessing from him for himself from any source, whether it be the God of Abraham or the idols of Mesopotamia or a rich stranger. Hey, any way that I can be blessed, I want that. That was what he was into. So he extends customary hospitality he unloads, feeds the camels and the feet of the men. He has them washed, sets food before Abraham's servant. And he refused to eat until he had spoken of the, the purpose of his visit. And this errand, it's a trip usually taken on behalf of others. So he's like, I'm not going to eat. I, I didn't come here to be wined and dined, to eat of the best of the land. I came here for a reason. And we're going to leave it on a cliffhanger uh, for next week as he goes through that story. I think this, uh, the, the priorities of the servant were in order. I'm sure he was hungry. And eating is important, right? The, 
to sustain our bodies and vitality, but he blessed the Lord and he obeyed his master. That's what he was about. He was obedient and he praised God. He worshiped God. He trusted God. And then he goes, he would go into great detail to testify of the oath he had made to his master, how God led him to his city, the house, how God had made known to him. Rebecca was the one appointed for Isaac and confirmed that. Totally unexpected, quite a shock to the family, I would imagine. A lot to process where usually you would arrange a marriage and they weren't part of the arrangement. It was just like, your daughter, she's the one. <laughs> really? We'll leave this narrative on a cliffhanger. But the practical application is clear. Those who prayerfully seek the Lord will be led by him. He will not cease to show his kindness towards us and others because God is most blessed. The servant sought God's kindness toward Abraham by providing a wife. God was with him. God led him. God helped him. And God answered him even before he finished praying according to what he had asked. Turn in your Bibles, please, to a well-known scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's funny, a lot of the well-known passages, it doesn't necessarily mean it's often observed. So we know it, but do we practice it? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is, I really do love this passage. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. How many times do we look for a sign rather than the Lord? We want the sign, but we don't look to Jesus. We can do the equivalent of waiting in Canaan for direction or revelation from God before we're willing to take a step of faith and obedience to our savior. Because we don't know how that's going to turn out. We don't know how it's going to bring blessing that we desire. It's a good thing when we're willing to conclude, I have trust in the Lord, but not with all my heart. I, I have not, I have been leaning on my own understanding in some ways. Because so, this is a very all-encompassing. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just some of your heart. Not just when it's convenient or easy, but all the time. And man, we need God's help to do this. Because this is not natural for us. We naturally lean on our understanding. We naturally trust our eyes more than the eyes of faith according to God's word. We lean on our understanding rather than relying fully on the Lord. And we've mixed up verse 6. We look for God's path rather than acknowledging him on the path we're on. So God has us on a path. We're on a journey. Let's acknowledge God and look to him, lean on him, rely upon him with all our hearts. Rather than trying to change the path, look to Jesus. Look to God in faith, in obedience. Psalm 34, 1 and 2, David wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. The road that you choose is not as important as choosing to trust God 
that he's with you and leading you right where he has you because he is blessed. He is the one who is kind to us. He has not forsaken his kindness toward us. And let us be a people who pray believing, who take steps trusting, who bless the Lord at all times and make our boast in him. God is faithful. He is so kind and good. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this, this event that happened and all that can be gleaned from it. I pray that we would be like that servant of Abraham who looked to you, who blessed your holy name, who prayed, and then when the answer came, he took steps of obedience one by one over a thousand kilometers in believing that you would bring him to the right place to the right town, and you brought Rebecca right to him. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, and I pray that you would open our eyes to see your faithfulness throughout our whole lives, that you have protected us. You would give us eyes to see, Lord, how you have, you have appointed perhaps suffering for us, but you have been faithful all through that time, and you have provided contentment by your presence in giving us all things. And I thank you, Lord, that we, are, we have not been left alone, but you've given us the Holy Spirit who fills us and helps us and comforts us. And I pray you would make us, Lord, people of prayer, people who praise you publicly, who acknowledge you. And that we'd acknowledge, Lord, we haven't trusted with you with all our heart. We haven't in all our ways acknowledged you. And bring us to a place, Lord, of doing that, of doing that more and more so that we realize you are trustworthy. You are faithful and true. The God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of glory, whom we worship and obey. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us through our Lord Jesus. And thank you for the kindness you show us by connecting us with one another, making us part of your church, members of your body, that we can minister and serve in love. Thank you, Lord, for all you've given, all that you provide, and all that you promise. And I pray we would... We would trust you and we'd praise you with our whole hearts in Jesus name. Amen.